I do pray, Lord, that you would help us um, to see exactly who you are. And Lord, in light of who you are, to live our lives accordingly. Lord, thank you for this gospel. Um, very carefully crafted, Lord, and the central section we're going to look at today. Lord, please go before us. Lord, let us behold the glory of who you are. And um, let us, um, Lord, bow and worship before you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 13, if you haven't already. Matthew 13. And we're going to be covering the central section of the five major uh, discourses and narratives of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and this really is a central section. Um, and, and it centers in on um, an identity, really, of who Jesus Christ really is. Uh, maybe you guys have seen the um, Born series. It's a trilogy. Um, yeah, with Matt Damon, it's, it's, a, it's a classic. But one of the major components of this series is Jason Bourne. He's trying to discover who he is, right? Um, he's had this amnesia from this attack, and he is going through these three different series of beating people up and, you know, completely taking down the U.S. government, of course. And <laughs> he is discovering, though, further and further who he is, right? And in this case, um, what we're looking at today is not just um, fiction, it is reality, and not just any sort of reality. This identity that we're looking at today is actually determinative of where we will end up, either heaven or hell, right? And the difference is what you say about Jesus Christ, who you say that he really is. This is a massive point. This is that separation point that John was talking about, right? The, all the um, kind of separating of the wheat from the chaff, right? The sheep from the goats. It all comes down to who do you say that Jesus Christ is at that center point. And that is what we're going to be seeing today throughout our time. And there's some buildup to get there in Matthew 16 and then also um, a climax of that in Matthew 17. So we'll go and jump into our time here this morning, beginning with Matthew 13. So this, this section... Um, here in Matthew 13, we're going to see some kingdom parables. And the first blanks on your outline there, the kingdom is for those who value it supremely. The kingdom is for those who value it supremely, who value it supremely. Notice with me in Matthew 13, so that same day here that um, the mother and the brothers right come to him and he says, hey, those who do my will, just like we talked about last week, um, who, who do the will of the Father, right? Those are my true mother and brothers. Those are my true family. Um, that same day, Jesus went out of the house, sat beside the sea. The crowds gathered about him, right? This is very similar to the Sermon on the Mount here, uh, or in the disciples' case, right, for Matthew 10. This is another teaching time, right? So we're getting into another teaching block here. And he tells this parable that you all may be familiar with here, the sower, right? The parable of the sower. Um, so the sower, he went out to sow. And he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on, on the rocky ground, right? And they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. The sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. Thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on the good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we may read this and kind of think, okay, this is, you know, a parable. We've heard Jesus speak this way before, but this was a shift. This was a transition, and the disciples point that out next. Um, they say, why do you speak um, to them in parables, right? Why is it that you're speaking to the crowds in parables? And this is a really good question. 
Um, and, and so um, in answering this question, look at what Jesus says. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. This is something that has been going on for a long time too. Back in Isaiah 6, hundreds of years before, um, this was the prophecy um, that God gives at the end of, after he commissions Isaiah at the end of that chapter. He says, you will indeed hear, but, or yeah, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. For with their ears they can barely hear, with their eyes have closed. At least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and their hearts and turn and I would heal them. See, this is a sad condition of Israel. And we see actually after Israel has rejected, right, started to reject their Messiah, which we looked at last time, there is this distinction now in Jesus' teaching where he's teaching now in parables. And that is for a purpose, right? Because he wants to convey his truth to those who are not perishing, right? Those who have ears and hear. But he also is not increasing the judgment, right? And speaking in plain language to those who are already going to just reject him, right? Because there are some who are blessed, Right? Those who have those blessed um, eyes for they see, their ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then he goes on to explain the parable. And in this explanation, you know, this is again to his disciples, right? So he's helping them to key in on these truths. This is a transition in Jesus' ministry. But this is a very significant parable for our lives as well. Uh, we've seen the different types of grounds, right? The same gospel seed goes out. And sometimes it falls on people's hearts. And guess what? It actually can look okay sometimes. Um, so, but there's some where it doesn't, right? Just from the beginning, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Um, that, that happens oftentimes. Um, now, rocky ground, right? Here is um, a person who maybe receives it with joy at first. You've seen someone maybe, and they receive the word of God with joy. Uh, but something happens, right? There's no root. He endures for a while, but when these things come, tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, he immediately he falls away. Perhaps you've seen this in our own life. For what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but listen to this, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful, right? Tribulation, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Right? These are different things that can take away that gospel truth and crowd it out. But there's another soil, right? the good soil. This is the one who hears the word, understands it, and it bears fruit and yields. In one case, 160, another 30. Right? So this is kind of one of those significant parables for understanding, hey, what happens when the word of God goes out? Right? Maybe you have family members or someone that you know who has heard the word. It seemed good at first, but then... One of these things happen, right? Tribulation, persecution, or maybe the things of this world, right? Have come into the heart and choked out that word. We have to be careful of these things too, right? And think to ourselves, hey, do we have that root, right, in Christ? Do we truly believe, right, even to the point of death? And sometimes it's hard, but God will give us exactly what we need each step of the way, right, as we've been talking about. He puts another parable to them, and I want to get into some discussion here in a moment. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed seed, good seed in his field, right? But while his men are sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds. 
And so what happens here in this parable is um, he gathers all of them together at the end, right? So gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned. Gather the wheat into my barn, right? Again, this distinction, the separation that's occurring, right? Between those who receive the word, those who don't, between the wheat and the weeds. He put another parable to them. And this one actually would be familiar. If, if you ever have a chance, look back at Daniel 4. And you see this um, seed that grows into um, a large plant and becomes a tree, right? Um, so in verses 31 and 32. And the birds of the air come and make nests in his branches. And guess what happens in Daniel 4? Um, then it gets chopped down and everything scatters and starts all over again, right, with the next kingdom. But notice this parable here. He puts this parable to them and says, The kingdom of heaven, right, this time he's saying it's the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his fields. This is the smallest of all seeds. When it has grown large, then all the garden plants, it becomes a tree. So the birds of the air came, make its nest in the branches. And the disciples are saying, okay, yeah, and then it gets chopped down, right? But no, look what happens in verse 33. He immediately moves on to another parable, right? See, there is something here that we need to understand that the kingdom of heaven, if you put your trust in Christ and his kingdom, it will never go away, right? Uh, the cares of this world, they're fleeting, right? The tribulation, it can only last for a certain period of time, but his kingdom lasts forever, right? It, it doesn't get caught down, right? The parable doesn't close with the regular punchline because this kingdom is going to be different, right? This is a unique kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, the next parable here, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened, right? It will grow. Daniel 2 talks about this stone that will come in and crush the other kingdoms and it will grow and fill the earth, right? That is what the kingdom of heaven will be. One day the Lord will reign over the entire earth, over the entire earth. All these things Jesus said as he spoke to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. Right, this marks a massive shift in Jesus' ministry. And this actually fulfills what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I'll utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Right? So this is in Psalm 78. You could read about that more in that context. And in context there, it's talking about the history of Israel, right? And how it's gone forward. And here he is speaking parables to them now, right? Because there is this distinction, this this separation that's occurred for those who have rejected him. He left the, and actually we're going to go and pause right there. Um, and here um, is the discussion question we have for, actually, sorry, we've got a little bit further to go. And then we're going to go and do a discussion question together. So, um, so he left the crowds and went into a house, right? And he said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he does so. And notice this, it's very Psalm 2, seeing this harvest at the end of the age, right? Um, the reapers are angels. And just as the weeds um, are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And the Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all of those, right? You know, this is God's world at the end of the day. It may not seem like that, but we've got to remember, he will come back, and he will make all wrongs right, and he will gather all the weeds of this world, right? All those false doctrines, all those um, evil things, and all the people, right, who are practicing these things. Um, they, he will gather them and throw them into the fiery furnace, right? And for us, that should be a cause to help tell people about Christ, right? Even like we were seeing last week with Pastor Jeff, right? And warning people about what is to come, right? They're not the ones, we're not the ones to be scared, right? They, they are the ones. Um, and so re recognizing that and seeing, hey, you know, this is the end, 
Um, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, but notice this too, that's not the only destiny. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear, right? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, right? Here is this value. Guys, what could be more valuable than this, right? The thing that lasts forever versus the fleeting pleasures of this world or the passing tribulations, right, that we may go through. So he has this treasure hidden in a field, a man found covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field, right? This is what he is after. It's this uh, treasure, right? And just like a man, it, imagine for a second, we went out to this field over here, and that's a very expensive piece of property. I, I think we talked about it at our church meeting, right? Um, but let's say we found this amazing treasure. How many of you guys have seen National Treasure of Nicolas Cage? Kind of a silly, silly movie. Several of you guys have. But let's say there's just this massive treasure hidden under there, right? And we found it out. And even though that field is ridiculously priced and costs millions of dollars to buy, we would maybe raise money as a church, right, and, and go out and buy that field. It would just make sense, right? But that is how it is for the kingdom of heaven, guys. It makes sense committing your life to this, seeking first this kingdom. You guys who are older than me know the things of this world, they pass away better than I do, right? And so understanding those things, right? It's not all about this. Yeah. So, so why would, you know, he is no fool who gives up what he can't keep, the game which he can't lose, right? Understanding that, right? This is the kingdom of heaven is those for those who value it supremely, much like this merchant who finds fine pearls and who finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had to buy it, right? Is there any cost too high for these things, for the kingdom of heaven? No, there isn't. Um, and again, here the separation that occurs, right? This is the real distinction, right? There, our society is into all these false distinctions, right? Different races, different ethnic, you know, backgrounds or different socioeconomic positions too, right? Oh, you're of this stature or that, you know, and even India, other places are like this too. But here's the real distinction that matters, right? He gathers fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sorted out the good containers and threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age where the angels will come and separate out the evil from the righteous, throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so he addresses the disciples here at the close. Have you understood all these things? And they say to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore... Every scribe who has been trained in the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house, right? Imagine you've got this house full of um, different treasures, right? And this is your job. You, you kind of bring in different treasures and you sell some of them. Some of them are new. Some of them are old. And in that same way, imagine, guys, with God's word, it's more to be valid even than gold, much fine gold, right? As we see in um, Psalm 19, guys, you have this treasure, in God's word, right? And you can bring out the new things in the New Testament or the old things in the Old Testament, right? Um, you have all of these things to be able to give to people, these treasures to be able to show them, right? These good things to be able to benefit them. Uh, all that to say, guys, the kingdom of heaven is for those who value it supremely, right? It's not for those who are content in this life to just live on as they are, right? Or who have everything that they want already. No, it's for those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, right? Those who are poor in spirit, those who see their need, those who desire his kingdom, right? And his righteousness and all those things will be added to them, right? And we can't do these things on our own. We need the Lord. Um, but for a discussion question for us now, as we kind of close kind of mid-chapter here, because he's going to make a transition into uh, more narrative next. 
um, what do you value supremely, right? You know, obviously we value different things in life, and that's a good thing. Family, uh, relationships, you know, our house, um, you know, uh, our hard-earned, you know, money that we put away, all of those things. But, you know, how do we value supremely his kingdom, right? Is that who we are? How do we kind of stratify the values correctly? And then how do we live in light of that, too? Um, but, yeah, what do you value supremely? What would you guys say? That's good. In light of that, you know, even like was just commented on, there's really three things that last forever, right? God, his word, and souls, like, you know, you were just mentioning. And those, those three, right, that is really where we should be putting our time and attention and focus, right? And, you know, for, for what Bill's saying, because, you know, he's diving a little bit deeper, um, you know, into that for our own lives, right? Maybe what are some ways do you think that we can make adjustments, kind of make that shift, right, in light of our Lord's parables here? to focusing in on his kingdom better. You know, what are some of those improvements? Right now we're looking at the mirror of God's word and maybe we see something out of place or, you know, something stuck in your teeth, which for me as a dentist would be really embarrassing. But, you know, all that to say, like, you know, thinking through all of that, how can we make those changes, right? What do we need to do in this moment as we're kind of looking at God's word here? Yes, Steve. Mm. and continually come across people and go out of your comfort zone and tell them about Christ. Because mm. you never know. Mm. Most people are going to say, I'm good, or I'm not interested. But, you know, every now and then you come across somebody that just comes to tears. Mm. What a great feeling that is. Mm. That's awesome, Steve. Yeah, Marv. Yeah, I just, the question, what do you value supremely, is entirely dependent on your worldview. Hmm. Whether you view the world through this book, hmm. or you view the world as a, quote, worldly person, and some of you probably heard me say this before, but it, it when you look at people who live for earthly things, hmm. I always look at Hollywood. Those are the most, they have from an earthly perspective everything that you can want. They have fame, they have fortune, they deny themselves nothing, which is something Solomon said. <laughs> yeah. Ecclesiastes, he essentially yeah. said, look, I did it all, I tried it all. Mm -hmm. But these people commit suicide, they've got five different wives, they, they are drug addicts, mm -hmm. Their worldview is a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a phony worldview. Mm -hmm. It is, and it's a worldview probably a lot of us had before the Lord intervened in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. This is what Jesus is talking about here in all of these the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. We're all, that's our worldview now. Mm -hmm. Since the Lord changed our heart, our worldview is we're striving to be, uh, we're striving to be in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And there's something that's been said in the forge on Friday mornings, this section of classes we just finished. 
it's been said over and over again, and it really, it really hit me that the goal here is not for us to become a better person. Mm. The goal is for us to be like Christ, mm. and that's a totally different. That it's too. To, it's not a bad thing to be a better person, mm -hmm. but that's not the goal. Right. Anyway. That's that fantastic. That's great. Well, that's very good. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yes. So the worldview Mark's talking about is not based on reality. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of the big issues. But something I was thinking of in the, the parable with the soils and the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. Hmm. Well, if you're a gardener, which I happen to do some of that, um, if there's a plant, say it's a person that gets saved, and nobody comes alongside him mm -hmm. to nurture him and fertilize and maybe even move him a little bit and get him somewhere where he's going to get fed, mm -hmm. then something that could end up being thrown away could be saved mm -hmm. because we need to come alongside. Mm -hmm. And too often, I think, new believers, they come to faith and then they don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. And so when we have opportunity and we see someone that's newly saved, we really need to make a point to extend a hand to them and say, mm. hey, do you have questions? Mm. You know, we all have our testimony and nobody can dispute our testimony. And so we can, if we don't know the answer, we can find the answer. Mm. We know how to do that. Mm. And so we have lots of resources, especially here at this church. But to just let someone wander off because they don't understand what happened. Hmm. You know, maybe they were saved. Hmm. Maybe God did touch them. Hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a way to, to grow that, it's going to die. Hmm. So, and a soul is worth saving. Hmm. I think that's the word disciple. So the Great Commission hmm. says go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say go talk to everybody that you meet. And the hope that it sticks. Mm. It is go make disciples of, of other people. In other words, the people he's talking about heard the word, believed it, need to develop and grow into discipleship. Mm. Um, I hate to bring this up, but I'm compelled. When I was young and I was in the Navy, there used to be, a, there was a, still is a Bible study in Pensacola where I went through officer candidate school, and they will stand out in front of the nightclub area and hand out Bible tracts to everybody hmm. because we're heathen sinners because we're obviously going someplace that serves alcohol hmm. every every weekend hmm. and and you can't say no thank you because then they would push it on you and hmm. and I can remember one guy going well I hope you're saved or, or I hope you know God will forgive you and I said I'm sure he will and he's yelling after me that's only because of his infinite mercy and I remember hmm. walking away and I wasn't Christian at the time hmm. going if this is Christianity hmm. you can have it hmm. Those people helped keep me away from Christ mm. for probably over a decade. Mm. There was other people I was on cruise with that were believers that would, would talk to me about it. Mm. But the people that just think you can just shove a Bible track mm. in everybody's face, mm. and the one out of 500 that says thank you, that mm. means it's all good. You have no idea how many people you're driving away from Christ mm. because of your overbearing way of 
I got a, I've, I've talked to people who said, yeah, I witnessed to my waiter and waitress. I'm like, great. Captive audience. Mm -hmm. They're waiting for you to leave them a tip. Right. So they're going to listen <laughs> yeah. with yeah. bated breath. Right. And you don't know. They may walk back in the kitchen and go, oh, goodness, another Christian. I wish they'd leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you have to know your audience. Mm -hmm. You have to want to get to know your audience. Mm -hmm. And you want to make disciples of them. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's a great point. Something Callie and I were talking about, actually. Uh, we were in Innsbruck and uh, over the weekend, and we were playing pickleball with a couple, and they were just saying, um, "Wow, you guys are you know really good sports and stuff." And we both like felt that prompting to say the reason why we didn't, we didn't take that opportunity. And you know, in those moments, it's like, uh, you know, what that that was an open door, right? You know, for for the gospel, right? Because it's not your job, right? It's God's job, and He will yeah. set it up, and you will. You will witness to them at the right time, and, and it will be a fertile field that you plant those seeds in, and, and it will grow fruit. Right, right. I love Kurt's analogy of gardening because mm. if, if we're it, using you know, the Lord's Prayer, heaven on earth, mm. if we are living heaven here on earth, then what did, he, what did God give to Adam? Mm. He gave the Garden of Eden mm. for him to tend. So the souls are those we tend. In, in our garden, so using that analogy is hmm. beautiful. It's beautiful, Kurt. Hmm. Awesome. Any other, any other thoughts? Oh. Yeah. So I had a different experience than that, in the fact that somebody, you know, you're not a Christian, you know, shoved it into me, and yes, it was offensive because I wasn't a believer. Mm -hmm. So, so her telling me that I was a sinner was offensive to me and I did not like it at all but it made me think hmm. and it made me think for a, a decade well not a decade I would say about five years hmm. and it made me think why did she call me that it just kept replaying over my head hmm. over and over again so that kind of thing led me to mm -hmm. the Lord it, even though it was off-putting at first mm -hmm. and yet I did not like it because sin is offensive and I am going to feel that weight as somebody brings the word on top of me mm -hmm. or gives me a track or whatever it is. But it really made me think. It really made me think that I was a sinner. Mm. And it made me wonder. It made me start praying mm. to this God I didn't even know that mm. she knew, but I didn't know. But if there's a God, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with praying in my head to this God that mm. I wasn't even sure existed. But, um, so yeah, I think that yet there's, we all have, you know, what the Lord calls us to do. Mm. And so I feel like we just need to obey Him. Mm. And when we don't, then our conscience pricks us. Right. And uh, we cry out to Him. We ask Him for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then we Thing that the man I replaced at work left me a track hmm. in my 
desk because mm. he must have been a believer. And I took it, I threw it away. Because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, another one of those. Mm-hmm. But then it, it made me think again. Mm-hmm. And it made me pray again. God, mm. why did I get one from this woman, and why did I get one from that? No. <laughs> but then that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But then the right. third one I got, no. I read. No, no. Mm. So the moral of the story is mm. whether someone's doing it in their flesh, yeah. trying to maybe say they shared so many tracks, or whether yeah. someone does it compelled, um, it then the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to take mm. that and either draw somebody yeah. or yeah. at that time have somebody say out of my face but then yeah. you still remember it so I mean mm-hmm. bottom line the Holy Spirit then will take it even what someone does in the flesh mm-hmm. yeah. years yeah. ago there was an atheist Madeline Marie O'Hara remember mm-hmm. her yeah. Yeah. she gave uh, the clearest explanation of the gospel on a talk show on television mm-hmm. she's an atheist mm-hmm. she says I know what you Christians believe and she gave the gospel I'll bet someone was saved <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. It's the gospel. Mm, so yeah. that was really cool because we were smiling. It's like, okay, you, <laughs> you know, you're giving the gospel. I love that someone heard that and responded. Mm. Mm. That's Even awesome. Even though it was the mouth of an atheist, the Pope mm. it. It's yeah. because That's of awesome. his word. Mm. It's so cool. Wow. I mean, yeah. God will use his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However. Yes. Wow. Wow. Her son became a believer. That's amazing. Wow. From unusual vessels. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Steve. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the gospel's an offense. We don't, yeah. We don't need to make it more offensive, you know, but it is an offense as it is. But you give people, you, you engage with them in terms of this. And I love the million-dollar bills, too. I'll usually just hand it and say, hey, this is a million-dollar bill. It's got a million-dollar question on the back. It's about what happens after you die, about how you can have eternal life through Jesus, who died and rose again for you. And, you know, that's, you know, just a quick, you know, 10-second way you can just hand it out to someone after you've talked with them a little bit and you know this is a treasure right what we're giving them it's you know and we want to deliver to them with warmth understanding like we too are sinners right and we needed this as well and you know sow that seed and you never know what type of soil might fall on also the um there's a stamp too um, behind the front desk with new community churches information on it you can stamp your gospel tracks too if you do hand those out and it's got all the information to your point Kurt of you know, helping bring them into the body. Or sometimes, you know, if I've had a longer conversation, you can get their number too. But, um, yeah. Was there not Yeah, Dan. I was just going to offend it. Right, Someone right. Totally. Right. Can be yeah. A lot of things, so. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's really good. No, great points. We're going we're gonna to just quickly walk through um, the, the next upcoming chapters. And I'm going to give you a couple of blanks here to fill in as well. Um, so, first of all, um, in this next section of narrative, we see that king has what his people need. Um, that's, the, that's the blank there on the outline. The king has what his people need. Um, so from there, we see um, Jesus. He continues his ministry, and he actually continues in the Jewish area. He's going to make a transition in a little bit here. Um, but he finished these parables in verse 53, and he's going away from there, and he goes into Nazareth, right? Um, but they didn't believe in him, right? He's offensive to them, <laughs> you know, speaking of which. Um, and Jesus said to them, Hey, a prophet is without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief, right? That's really key um, to understand is 
that Jesus, he has what his people need, but not all of them are believing him, right? And not all of them are actually um, seeing him for who he is. And they were offended by who he was, um, you know, coming in here as a teacher and they knew his background, right? He didn't fit the mold, right? And here he is as the perfect teacher coming in. Um, the fame of Jesus is spreading, though, and um, John the Baptist, he had been put to death by Herod, um, and Herod was thinking maybe this was John raised. Um, you guys can read that little section there at some point, but um, so the, we kind of are getting these little glimpses of who people think Jesus is, right? You know, hey, he's this, you know, kid um, from, you know, back here in Podunk, Nazareth, who thinks he's hot stuff, right? Oh, okay, he's John the Baptist raised again. Um, you know, okay, that's not him. He goes um, now into a boat to a desolate place by himself. And when the crowds hear it, they follow him right on foot from the towns. Obviously, he's, he's going around. But notice what he does to these people. Um, he went ashore. He saw the crowd, right? Instead of running the other direction, he had compassion on them, right? And healed their sick. And again, you see the heart of our Savior, right? Um, and, and he goes to these people and um, they're in this desolate place. They're following him way out into the wilderness, right? You know, in the middle of nowhere where there's no grocery store or, you know, Kmart. Or, actually, there's no Kmarts anyway anymore, but there's no, you know, no food to eat. And, and guess what he says? He says, go into the villages and buy food for themselves, right? Um, that's what the disciples are saying. Hey, send them out. Um, but instead, Jesus says, hey, you give them something to eat. And he said, we've only got five loaves and two fish. And you know what he does next, right? He, he feeds them. Jesus has what his people need at the end of the day. They all ate, the whole group of them, and they were satisfied, right? They took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Guys, we have what we need in our Savior, not in the approval of man, not in just living our lives, right, in a way that we want to, but in him, right, in seeking first his kingdom, right, in what pleases him. That's our main focus, right? That's our main worldview. Yeah, Marv, did you have something? Oh, okay, no. Um, so next, we see his ability over even creation as well, um, his ability over even creation. So his disciples get into a boat, um, go to the other sides. After he dismisses the crowds, he went up by the mountain himself to pray. And then um, he, when evening came, he was there alone. The boat was a long way, beaten by the waves. The wind was against them, right? We had Pastor Rich kind of paint this scene for us um, a few years ago. And then all of a sudden, um, there's this big, huge storm, very powerful, so much so that these seasoned fishermen are having trouble with it, right? Um, and he's um, walking on the sea, right? His disciples see him. They think it's a ghost, but Jesus says, take heart as I do not be afraid, right? Peter says, Lord, if it is you command me, right? The authority comes from the Lord to come to you and to walk on water. You guys know the story. He comes out, and then he... Um, he looks at the wind and the waves, right? And he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. Right? Perhaps we felt this way at different times in life, right? We step out in faith to the Lord and then all of a sudden, all the trials and persecution, guess what? You step out in front and we're in a spiritual war. You know, Satan's going to start aiming those, those bullets at you. In our college group, we're studying Ephesians and all the walk worthies, right? If you start doing this and living this in life, guess what? You're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. So you've got to stand firm, right, in the faith and um, being putting on the armor of God. Um, but here we see, um, Lord, save me, right? And Jesus takes out his hand um, and reaches him and saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt, right? Um, and that is, that is us again and again. Um, but we obviously start get to, getting these glimpses of who he really is, right? Truly, he is the son of God. He is the one who has exactly what we need and that ability over all of creation, right? And so as many as touched him, 
you know, were made well, not even the fringe of his garment. People are just coming from all over to try to get to Jesus. Um, and, and the blank on your outline there, and um, um, so is, um, do you live like Jesus has what you truly need? Do you live like Jesus has what you truly need um, for, for discussion? You know, there's ways that we can see, hey, we get what we truly need from a paycheck, from, you know, all these different blessings that the Lord does give us and are important. But obviously, we know the source behind those blessings, right? Do we live and act in such a way? And like Bill was saying, you know, our bank accounts, our, you know, time spent, you know, some of our most valuable resources, that shows who we are really living for. So do we live like Jesus has what we truly do need? Earlier this weekend when we missed that gospel opportunity, you know, Callie and I, we were not thinking ahead of time, like, hey, how can we have some gospel, you know, opportunities? And we were, you know, being kind, you know, on the pickleball court and that showed. And, you know, this lady, you know, kind of saw that difference and asked us about it. And we just weren't, you know, on our game, weren't ready. And so that's an area, you know, both of us, yeah, just like you were saying, Mom, we stopped and, we prayed for that lady and we asked the Lord for forgiveness of not, you know, listening to that prompting of the Spirit. And Yeah, what were you going to say, Dad? Yeah, I was just going to comment and start doing that more. Yeah, so yeah, Kathy. Be, yeah. be a comfortable response in retrospect that you would have said that doesn't make everybody feel a little awkward? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think in retrospect, um, something that we should have said and, you know, have said at times, you know, Callie's good at, about this as well, is just, you know, yeah, like, you know, the difference is, um, you know, the, or the reason why we play this way is because of the Lord, you know, because someone has changed our hearts. We weren't always this way, you know, wanting them to understand that, like, hey, I'm not always this nice person. You know, it's because not of me, of someone else, and, you know, giving the credit where it's due. And so, you know, helping them to see that and, you know, just, you know, seeing where the conversation goes from there. You know, just starting off by testifying. You know, I'm not saying who you need to be yet. I'm just saying who I am at this point. You know, and then, you know, praying in that moment, you know, Lord, please give me an opportunity um, here. You know, that sometimes when this has come up, you know, immediately I just start praying, you know. And that's, you know, what you see with Jesus' example in uh, Matthew 9, right? He prays and then um, evangelize. And much to Marv's point, right, you know, that helps frame and give you that plan before you go into that situation. So, yeah, I, I, I can't say, and maybe you guys are like this too, but I don't think I've ever really, you know, shared the gospel very well or effectively without prayer um, being involved in that process. And so, yeah, it's kind of that's what's in the background, but maybe what comes out is something along those lines, just telling them why, you know, I am this way. Yeah, did you have one? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, good question. So, you know, in that moment, they just noticed a difference. Like, and we were in the middle of playing pickleball with them, and, um, you know, Callie, or they just said, you guys are, you know, great sports, really kind. And I felt like, oh, you know, like, that, that's very kind of you, and, you know, just was very kind of polite about it. But then, like, thinking about it, it's like, wait a second, there's a reason why. I felt a pull, like, to say, like, hey, is there a gospel? That's usually my go-to is, like, give them a gospel tract or something. I didn't have my, you know, safety blanket around, you know, and so, like, it was in the car, and, yeah. Good question. No, it isn't, yeah. times that I have spoken when I was prompted by the Holy Spirit, it's amazing because 
I know I'm not driving. Right. And right. I sound a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> yes. And yeah. uh, you can ask my yes. wife. Yeah. The times that I'm speaking on the prompting of the Holy Spirit, mm. it just comes out and it flows, and I'm watching it happen, and I'm like, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. I can't, you know, you could corner me and say, hey, you know, give me an elevator speech on why I should follow Christ, and right. I'd stumble through it. Yes. But if the Holy Spirit prompts me, I got a little sermon I can give them, mm. and I don't know where it comes from. Mm. And yes. then I can say, remember when you said that? What did I oh, say? yeah. I'm like, yes. what did I say? Yes. Yeah, what you said yesterday was so, I'm like, what did I say yesterday? Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Yes. Just bouncing off the compilation. Yeah. yeah very good. We're, we're going to just continue to move on here. So um, for Chapter 15 here, we see a distinction and a transition um, where at first, and this is a really central portion to uh, really, really helpful for us to think about uh, because in the beginning of chapter 15, he goes into um, this whole section on not the externals, but the internals, right? Our aim is not the outside behavior modification, being a better person, blah, blah, blah. It's being transformed, right, into the image of Christ. Um, their heart is far from me. You know, um, he says of the of the Pharisees in Israel at this point. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, right? Um, so this is um, those who are saying, hey, whatever should be given to my father and mother is instead given to God, so I don't need to give to my parents anymore, you know? And, and you know, all these weird traditions that they made up, right, to really benefit themselves at the end of the day. Their heart, their desires um, were very far from the Lord. Um, and that's really an important thing, too, to think about. Hey, you know, if you do have that prompting from the Holy Spirit and you do fail, you know, you're humbled and your, your desire was to tell this person about the Lord, right? That's, that's good. And so as you grow in that, you know, just seeing that it's the heart that matters, not just the externals, right? And then you can do better next time. Um, so Doug tells a story about when he didn't hand out a um, gospel track, Doug Hayward. And then now, from now on, he, he does, you know, because he remembers that story. And, you know, so all that to say, you know, it's really not just about the externals, right? It's, it's inside. It's the heart that's really the goal. Um, so here, you know, Jesus zeroes in on this teaching uh, to his or to um, the people. And he says, here to understand it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, right? All the unclean foods, all those different things. It's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He said, every plant um, that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up, right? Exactly what we've been hearing about in these parables. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind leads the blind, they will both fall into a pit. Um, so Peter, wanting to hear the explanation of the parable, he says, um, you know, whatever comes into the mouth passes into the stomach and it's expelled, right? It doesn't stay inside of you. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, right, which stays inside of you. This defiles a person. For out of the heart comes all of this evil, right, um, all of these things. And if you see that you have these things, right, that is so essential to being poor in spirit, not just covering it up, not just sowing fig leaves, which has been going on for thousands of years, right, but instead going to the Lord with it, right. These are what defile a person. Um, it's our heart. We need a complete change from the inside out. Um, but after this, after kind of this addressing of the real, really the heart of the issue, and this is so helpful for us too in counseling ourselves and others, right? Really getting down to that heart. Um, but, um, and I'd love to stop and take a moment there, but yeah, we just don't have time. There's a big transition here. Um, Jesus goes away and he withdraws to this district of Tyre and Sidon. He is now in Gentile territory. And he even, you know, helps this, a woman who just continues to come after Jesus 
in faith, right? Um, just says, Lord, please help me, um, you know. And he says, it's not right to take the child's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. You know, she's just persistent, right? And he says, great is your faith, right? This is how we want to be, just pursuing the Lord, right? You know, hey, maybe there's a request going on that the Lord is just not giving at this time. Be like this woman, continue to knock, continue to ask, right? Let him shape your heart, go into God's word, see what it has to say, be shaped, right, by it. And he will continue to do that as he looks in faith. And notice here, we've got the um, healing going on and look at what these Gentiles are doing. They're glorifying the God of Israel, right? They're seeing this God at work. Um, and also, um, he has this compassion on the crowds again. And guess what? He gives them now um, the um, feeding of the 4,000, right? Um, here we have um, the same thing. Uh, he's providing for their needs, right? But in this case, it's the Gentiles. And this would, remember, this is to a Jewish audience. So they'd be shocked by this, perhaps. And um, chapter 15, the blank, there's the king comes even for the Gentiles, uh, even for the Gentiles. And, you know, a discussion question, which we don't have time to do, is how do you respond to the outcast, right? Someone comes in here who doesn't look like us, maybe from, you know, a really bad background, you know, tattoos everywhere, ear period, whatever, you know, just a, you know, weird looking, different dressed person. How do we respond to this person, right? Um, you know, if they're different or foreign to us in, you know, West County, America. And so all that to say, you know, how do we respond to the people that are usually rejected, right? Do we understand who we were? right at one time, sinners just like them. And now, you know, maybe they've been called out of that into light or, you know, maybe you're on the streets in a different part of town, right? How do you respond to those types of people? Do you see them as gospel opportunities or dangers to be avoided, right? Um, so think, think about that and look at how our Lord responds, you know, with that compassion and with um, seeking to give, right, to them. Uh, chapter 16 here, this is really that central um, central section. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are just continuing to put it to improve it. You know, show us a sign from heaven, they say. Um, and in evening, you know, and he's like, hey, you guys know how to interpret the weather. Um, and here you are, experts in the law. Surely you should know, you know, what this time is, right? This is the time of the kingdom. Can't you tell? The king is here and the kingdom has come. Um, but you know, he says, no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. Now, remember last time we talked about the three days and three nights, right? That was the significance and the kind of nuance brought out then. This time, remember what Jonah's commission was. It was to go to the Gentiles, right? Which Jesus just did. And he, he's been going to the Gentiles and ministering to them. So um, understanding kind of those nuances here of, hey, here is what is going on. Israel is rejecting um, their king, right? The leaders are. However, the disciples, um, you know, are being cautioned right now. And Jesus, you know, is telling them, um, you know, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And by that, he's meaning the teaching, right? This hypocrisy, this looking good on the outside, but on the inside, it's rotten, right? That is what we've got to be careful against. Even in this church, right, we can desire to look good on the outside for other people. When on the inside, that's what Jesus cares about, right? We all sin. We all do things that are wrong and recognizing that and helping each other in those processes. It's not a, you know, a gallery of, you know, the Hall of Fame for saints. No, it's a hospital for sinners, right? That's what um, the church is in reality and seeing it that way. 
Um, but recognizing who Jesus is really fundamentally, because that is really what drives all of this, right? The kingdom would not be here without the king. Um, the, this all would not work apart from Christ, right? And, and who he is. So really this key question, who do people say that the son of man is? This is the key question. Hey, what has been happening throughout history? And this is the question one day we will all have to answer, right? Who do we truly say, who do our lives say that Jesus Christ is at the end of the day? Some say John the Baptist, right? Um, and, you know, we saw some of those people who were, he was a foreteller of the Messiah. Again, having to do with the Messiah, not the Messiah himself. Or Elijah, right? Again, another foregoer of the Messiah. In fact, John the Baptist was confused with Elijah. And, you know, he is, in a way, Elijah who is to come, as Jesus said, for the first coming. Um, so in Jeremiah, there's a, um, there's a uh, theory that before Messiah comes from the Jews, um, that Jeremiah would come back and he would actually take the tabernacle and put it back into the temple before a Messiah comes. So again, another foreteller of the Messiah um, or one of the prophets, right? One of the foretellers of the Messiah. But at the end of the day, not the Messiah himself, right? They, they could see that Jesus was close. You know, he had all these miraculous works. They had a lot of good things to say about Jesus. But guys, and this is so key. You can have all the good things to say about Jesus, but if you don't truly nail it, if you don't truly see who Jesus Christ is, close is not enough, right? Heaven or hell is full of people who have nice things to say about Christ, right? Versus the reality of who he is. He is that one that we need, all of our souls need at the end of the day. And Simon Peter gets it, but not from himself. You are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? Um, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of a man, right? Son of a man named J Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven, right? This was a supernatural source for to be able to say this, right? You are the Christ. He is exactly who we need. Um, and he is the son of the living God as opposed to dead idols, right? And um, so, so this is that definition of who Christ is, right? He is the one that we need, the son of the living God. And in light of that, guys, in light of being in his church, guess what? Here is the place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. What's bound here has been loosed in heaven, right? And vice versa. It's not like the church has power to determine what happens in heaven. No, heaven has power in the church, right? To determine what happens here. And all that to say, um, we continue to see what this means, though, for our lives, right? It's not um, this cakewalk for the rest of our life, right? Confessing Jesus as Christ. It's hard. Um, you know, he, look at where Jesus is going. Um, he is going um, from that time on. This is a key transition here. He told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the leaders, be killed, and on the third day be raised, right? This is that massive transition point from repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to um, now it is... Um, go, I'm going to die, right? Jesus is on his way to death. Um, far be it from you, Lord, is what Simon has to say about this. The one who just confessed, this did not come from a supernatural source, right? This came from a very different source, um, from a satanic source, right? Get behind me, Satan. And isn't this true in our lives? Like maybe right after we do something good, right? We're, we're back to doing something bad again. And, you know, but the Lord, he is so patient with us, right? You know, he, he comes um, to Peter with the right rebuke, get behind me, Satan, you are hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That, that is what we do oftentimes, right? It's all here right in front of us. But guys, look past it. Look at what Jesus is telling his people here. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 
Here's the heavenly mindset. Whoever would save his mind or life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, right? That which he cannot keep, right? To gain what he cannot, um, what he will lose, his soul, right? For eternity. What shall a man give in return for his soul, right? What is more valuable than souls? Um, than those things that last forever. The son of man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his father and he will repay each person according to what he's done right this is our worldview truly i say to you there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom um, and and i want to transition into 17 the blanks for 16 the king is the christ the son of the living god right the king is the christ he is the son of the living god and are you willing to follow him what ways do you need to follow him better, right? Stay closer to him. Um, that, that is what we are after. And look at who he is, right? Look at the king in all of his glory and his splendor in chapter 17, outshining the sun. Don't try to look at the sun. I was just kind of, as we were driving through Innsbruck, thinking about this, you know, kind of taking a little glance, not directly at the sun, just thinking like, what if a man's face was that bright, right? That is just incredible power. Right, and here we have the Lord with Moses and Elijah, right? The big players in Israel, the law and the prophets, right? Some of those big names that we were talking about earlier. Here he is in his position, who he truly is as the Christ, the son of the living God, shining in his glory, right? That ought to frame our entire lives, right? Our entire worldview, how we live, right? Remembering that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And Obviously, you know, Peter with the foot-shaped mouth comes in and says, hey, you know, let's set up the tabernacles. And he's going in accordance with scripture here. Zechariah talks about, again, we will celebrate the Feast of Booths, right? Finally, when the king is here. And, and he's seeing the king in his position thinking, yes, this is the time, but not yet, right? And that is how it is for us, right? You know, that already, but not yet. We have it here in the church, right? We have that community, and yet we're waiting for the return of the king, right? And so being patient with that. Um, do you believe that he is the Christ? Even though you haven't seen him, do you love him, right? Um, so that is the next, this, the question uh, in the chapter 17, fill in the blanks here. The king is the transfigured son of God. The king is the transfigured son of God. And the blanks are, do you believe in him? How can you grow in your faith in him, right? Do you believe in him? How can you grow in your faith in him, right? Looking past the things that are seen to the reality that's behind all of this, the creator of the heavens and the earth who put everything together, right? And who is exactly who he says he is, right? If we truly believe that Jesus is that Christ, the son of the living God, let us walk with him, right? Each step of the way. And when we fail, know that he'll be there to help us each step of the way, knowing that he is powerful and able, right? Being able to look past the trials that are may be getting more and more intense for us as we walk through this world, right? But remembering, setting our eyes on Jesus, right? That founder and perfecter of our faith who outshone the sun, right? Do we believe in him? How can we grow in our faith in him? We'll look to him, right? Stay close to him, stay in his word, continue in prayer to him, even as we close today. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the grace you give us, Lord, of your word, which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path that shows exactly where we should trod. And Lord, to follow you even to death, Lord. Um, that is what the Christian life is. Lord, it is following you, Lord. It is a dying to self. It is saying no, Lord, to ourselves because we are done with a former manner of life, Lord. Um, we've seen that this world does not yield what we were made for, Lord. It is you alone.
Lord, you who saved this world, you who are the Christ, the exact one that we need. Lord, we desire to be more like you. Lord, help us, strengthen us. Thank you for forgiving us. Lord, you've provided everything we need. Lord, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Lord, let us just stay close to you, obeying you. Lord, and when we fail, just again going to you, Lord, with our sin and failures. Thank you for your grace. Lord, let us be those who, um, Lord, faithfully sow your word, Lord, and make disciples, Lord. Um, thank you for who you are, and let us continue to pray to you even now. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, for sure.